through six. All right. You guys remembered. Anybody remember where we're going to be tonight? Five o'clock service, Life of Christ. Luke chapter 19, John 11. If you come tonight, that's where we're going to be in the life of Christ. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you so you can follow along. Galatians chapter 6 That's where we're at. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Are you there? Are you good? All right, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, grateful for you, for who you are, and all that you have done, and all that you're doing currently. And we're grateful for all that you've yet to do, and that includes this morning, the work that you want to do in our hearts. Thank you for how you love us, for how you cherish us, and for how you nourish us. We are in need of your nourishing, each one of us this morning. You know what we need to hear. And God, by the power of your spirit, that you would change us. We recognize and realize we can't do it in and of ourselves, or from any program, or or whatever. It has to be a work of your spirit, as we've learned. And so, God, have your way in our hearts this morning. We, we open up our hearts to you, to all that you want to do. And we thank you ahead of time for the great things you're going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And so, um, just by way of reminder, we finished that section. This is really the application portion of this book or this letter Um, to a number of churches that the Apostle Paul had planted. When he was in modern-day Turkey, he went and preached the gospel, and all these people got radically saved. They got born again, saved. God began an awesome work of his spirit, um, just like he's done here as well, in your heart, in my heart, in our church. And a problem arose in the church. After Paul bailed, after he left, there was a group of people that came in false teachers known as, what are they known as? What was their name? Judaizers. That's right. Judaizers that came in and said, it's great that you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, but you also need to follow these rules. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law of Moses. Is that good news, by the way? Is that good news, you guys? No, the work has been done, correct? Has the work been done? Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, paid in full, your sin debt and my sin debt, paid in full. Jesus paid the price for our sins that we might have forgiveness. But not just that, when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, forgotten, gone forever. Is that good news? Is that amen to the whole stuff? He also has given us his righteousness. Can you make that righteousness better? Can you take away from it? Can you approve upon it? Is your righteousness better than your neighbor next to you right now, in front of you or in back of you? No. It's all, we've received the righteous, very righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. But these guys that came into the church were saying, now you need to 
maintain righteousness. You need to attain righteousness by your efforts and then maintain righteousness by your works. Again, is that good news? It's not. And so the Apostle Paul has been talking about really an an alternative to religion because what these guys were pushing was religion, trying to relate to God based upon man's own efforts and trying to make yourself right with God. And so being a rule keeper doesn't make you right with God. Being a rule keeper doesn't bear fruit in your life either because the fruit of the Spirit occurs how? We learned about the fruit of the Spirit last couple weeks, didn't we? The fruit of the Spirit, is it manufactured by your efforts? No, it's produced by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. And so Paul wants us to understand, and I hope if we've taken anything from our Bible study through this book, Paul wants us to understand Christianity is about a relationship. You guys, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ and the work that he does in us and through us. It's supernatural. It's glorious. Listen, there's two ways you can live your life. Depend upon your own strength, live life after the flesh, or you can live life after the Spirit, walking after the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and producing the fruit of the Spirit. And so hopefully that's all of us this morning. We want to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit of God each day, moment by moment, looking to Him, walking with Him, depending upon Him. And then we get to experience that glorious fruit that He produces in our lives. And so we recognize we can't fix ourselves. And so we submit to Him and let Him fix us. Let Him work in our lives. But the question now we need to ask ourselves as we look at chapter 6 is, what do you do when you're trying to walk in the Spirit and those around you are not. Has that ever happened, you guys? It does, doesn't it? Let's check it out. Let's see what we're supposed to do. Verse 1, God's Word, Galatians 6. I'm going to read the first five verses. And Paul writes, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one And then here's the how. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. And so I just want to draw our attention just to the first word of chapter 6. What does your Bible say? What's the first word there? Brethren. That means we're a family, correct? As we look around the room, we're a family, brothers and sisters in the Lord. The Apostle Paul also uses an illustration or an analogy not only are we a family, but we are the body of, we're the body of who? The body of Christ. Every one of us are different body parts. Some of us are elbows, some of us are wrists, some of us are kneecaps, some of us are big toes. You're down in the dark, serving, right? Stinky kind of area sometimes. Don't get a whole lot of light, correct? Are you with me? Is, it, is the big toe necessary? Absolutely. There's parts you can't see. The pancreas, the liver, absolutely crucial, absolutely vital. So each one of us are parts of the body of Christ. And so God has created us, listen, to function as a body. 
In other words, there's a responsibility to care for one another. Do you care about your body parts? Do you care about your body parts? We do, don't we? So we are to care for one another, to help one another, to work together. But we do have a little issue, don't we? Our flesh is rotten, isn't it? Is our flesh rotten? Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. And there are some times we don't recognize it. Sometimes we don't recognize Sometimes we make mistakes, don't we? Do you guys ever make mistakes? Do you ever blow it? Do you guys ever fall? Stumble? Do you guys ever get tripped up? Anybody here ever get tripped up? That's what we're talking about here is getting tripped up. Sometimes we don't recognize it and you can help me and I can help you. Again, because we are body parts, we are to help one another. Pastor, you trip and fall sometimes? Sometimes I do. Did you? I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> Just kidding. We blow it, you guys. All of us. And we are in need of what? Look what it says. Let's check it out together. So brethren, he's talking about restoration. The restoration of someone that has been tripped up. The restoration of someone that has fall, fallen. The restoration of someone that's bearing a burden and helping them shoulder the load. Have you guys ever seen uh, something that's been restored? Anybody ever seen something that's been restored? I saw the other day, I saw a Ford Bronco. Not the new ones. A little weird. If you remember the old Ford Broncos, I had one in college, and then a few years after that, that thing was so sick. But I saw someone had a restored Ford Bronco. I'm like, babe, check it out. There's a, look at the Bronco. Remember that we had one of those? But it was restored, and here's the thing. It was restored, and it looked better than new. It was a, it's a restored classic. And so for some of us, we're dealing with issues that the Lord wants to bring restoration this morning that you would look better after than you are looking right now. And so he says, brethren, if anybody, if any man, if any person be overtaken, that word overtaken means caught in a sin or caught by a sin. It actually means to lay hold of or to take hold of. Remember back in the book of Genesis, you guys remember Cain and Abel? Remember Cain and Abel? Two brothers that we read about there in Genesis chapter 4, right? They brought their offerings to God, and God did not respect Cain's offering. And remember, Cain was all pouty, and you know, and God said to him, Listen, if you do good, you're going to be accepted. But listen, sin is coming after you, wants to overtake you. But you should have you should have dominion over it. Don't let this thing overtake you. And so that's the idea here, being overtaken in any, look what your Bible says, in any trespass. And I looked up this word in the Greek, trespass. Check out what it means. I had never seen this before. It means a lapse, a falling away after being close beside, a deviation from the truth, an error, slip up, wrongdoing. Check this out. Wrongdoing that can be relatively unconscious or non-deliberate. In fact, it's used interchangeably in the New Testament for fall, faults, offenses, and sins. In other words, this is someone that has fallen into sin. They've failed. They're trapped in a place that they should not be. Listen, this is not talking about someone dug in, refusing to repent, deliberately doing wrong. That's, the, that's not the person we're talking about here. Um, this is a person that wasn't paying attention spiritually. 
and they found themselves in a place that they didn't expect to be. How do you get there? You guys ever been in that place? How do you get there? When we slip and fall, we get tripped up. And I would say one reason is the devil goes before us and trips us up. Did you know that? The devil sets out traps for you. Did you know that? I don't know how that works. But Jesus taught us to pray. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven. You guys know. How does it, what does it go at the end? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. So when I'm praying that prayer, I'm acknowledging that, listen, there's going to be some temptations coming my way, that there's going to be evil. Lord, I need you to help me. There's going to be some things that I may not see, some pitfalls, some traps. I'm acknowledging that my flesh is weak. I need you. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement. Check this out. It's an acknowledgement of my dependence upon the Lord, that I need him, that I could wipe out. And so our fle- in our flesh, we're tempted. Our flesh is weak. We fall into the flesh. We don't even realize it. We suffer. We're weakened. We're torn up. Sin does this. Our flesh causes the pain and the problems, and then we are in need of mending. We are in need of restoration. We are in need of healing. This week, as I was studying this, listen, this should cause us to have sympathy for those walking in the flesh. Not to be critical or, or to, be a, not to be a destroyer, but to be a restorer, you guys. Not to tear people down and be critical of people, but to be someone that comes alongside and lifts up because every one of us is susceptible to sin. Every one of us. It's a reminder of how weak we are and how desperately in need we are of the Lord. And listen, I know there's some of us this morning that you are falling apart all the time. You're falling apart all the time. Some of us are in pain because of the flesh. Some of us have been tripped up. We've slipped. We've fallen down, and we're in need of help. Listen, you've come to the right place this morning because it happens in our lives to every one of us. Where does our help come from? The psalmist said our help comes from who? The Lord, the maker of heaven, right? But the maker of heaven, the helper, also he wants to use who? To help one another. Who does he want to use, you guys? Dr. Phil? Who does he want to use? Us, one another. Correct? This is instruct- Who's this instruction for this morning? For us. He wants to use our lives because who's living in you? The Holy Spirit. Because he says, you who are spiritual, doesn't he? If any man, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Do we have any spiritual people here this morning? We do, don't we? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you led by the Spirit? Are you walking in the flesh this morning? You need to repent immediately and ask the Lord to fill you up. Hopefully that's all all of us here. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are your eyes open? Are your spiritual eyes and your physical eyes open? Because the Holy Spirit living in you is not only the comforter, He's also the... He's also the what? I'm sorry, louder. Helper. He's also the helper. He helps us and he wants to help others as well. And guess who he wants to use? You and me. So we can help our brothers and sisters in the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is meant to be shared, not to be hoarded. So what do we do? So we look around. We open our eyes and look at those who are being hurt by those things that used to hurt you. 
Those things that tripped you up once, those things that caused you to fall, you come alongside people to help them. Look for opportunities to help those who are in the flesh, not look the other way or ignore it completely because when one member suffers, we all suffer. And suffering is the result of sin. It's a result of the lust of the flesh. And so what is needed, what is necessary? Look what it says to me. You who are spiritual, that should be every one of us, what do we do? Restore such a one. And by the way, these instructions in the next, these 10 verses, the first 10 verses of this chapter, all of the instructions, check this out, it's in a continual tense. So continually restore, uh, habitually, progressively, always be about restoration. Does that make sense, you guys? You guys tracking with me still? What does that word restore mean? It means putting all the parts into right relation and connection. It's helping people make an adjustment. The word is used, check this out, the word is used in the Greek for helping a bone get relocated that's been dislocated. Anybody ever had a broken bone? No? I have. It's, it's nice when the doctor is gentle, putting it back into place. The, the word is also used for the mending of nets, fixing a net, making it usable again. Are you with me? This is such a, uh, such a great word. It's used in 1 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to this. Paul begs the church, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but the, that you are perfectly joined together. That's our word, restore. Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Jesus used this word in Luke chapter 6. Verse 40, Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained, that's our word restore, will be like his teacher. And so it speaks of training, repairing, mending, healing, making whole. By the way, it's also used in connection with what God wants to do in our lives. Hebrews chapter 13, 21 1 Peter 5, 10. By the way, that's the heart of God is restoration. Do you guys believe that this morning? Do you guys believe that's the heart of God? Is restoration? Listen, God wants the overtaken one to become an overcomer. He wants the overtaken one to now become an overcomer. How does that happen? The overtaken ones need to be restored. And listen, if we are to represent a God of restoration, then what, what do we need to be about? We need to be, need to be about restoration, don't we? Is seeing lives restored, helping, loving, caring. It's something we need to do for each other. The Bible says iron sharpens. Iron sharpens iron. Is that to smash each other and bash each other? Intimidate one another? No, it's to, again, it's to promote healing, this work of healing and mending, the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit that he wants to do in our lives. And so God, God uses our lives in his hands as tools to do this, to assist the Holy Spirit in what he wants to do in this work. Have you arrived spiritually, by the way? No. Anybody arrived spiritually here? None of us have. We all need this. We all need the work of God in our lives and to help one another. But the problem is pride keeps us from this. Selfishness keeps us from this from helping and receiving help. And sadly, check this out, sadly, we either ignore or overreact to sin, 
Equally as sad is harsh judgment and gossip. And um, the one who's overtaken, they need help, not criticism. You guys remember, uh, you guys remember Noah? Remember when he got drunk? Noah got drunk. What? I thought he did everything good. He never blew it. You guys remember what happened? Water receded, right? They got out of the ark. You guys remember that scene? Noah built a, what did he build? He built an ark, yeah. <laughs> Noah built an ark. Hallelujah. After that, what did he, I don't know, build the right word? He made a vineyard. And then he partook of the, a little too much of the vine. He got drunk. Remember that? Go check it out. Genesis chapter 9 when you get a chance. Not now, later. If you're looking right now, repent. Repent immediately. So I'm just going to breeze through this real quick because of what happened he was drunk in his tent, and his son Ham goes in, and we don't know what he did, but he comes out, and he goes viral on his dad. That's what happened. And the, the two brothers, so there's Ham, and then there's, who are the other two brothers? Shem and Japheth. You guys are good. All right. Shem and Japheth pick up a coat or some article of clothing, they put it on their shoulders. Remember what they did? They walked backwards into the tent and covered up their dad. Isn't that great? Because love covers a multitude of sins. They didn't go viral on their dad. They covered their dad. This is such an important lesson because it ended up Ham was cursed and Shem and Japheth were blessed. I, you know what I would say? That, that kind of just tells me a little something. I don't want to be someone that uncovers people. I don't want to be cursed, whatever that might look like. But I want to be someone that covers a multitude of sins. Remember when Peter took out his sword and chopped off the little servant dude's ear? Who fixed it? Jesus did. Jesus covered a multitude of sins right there, didn't he? Otherwise, there would have been four crosses on, at Calvary. And so, how are we to do this? How are we to come alongside and restore? Look what it says with me. Is it, we still in the first verse? <laughs> in, in a spirit of what? What does your Bible say? Gentleness. So not arrogant, not cocky, not conceited, but tender and meek and mild. Isn't that the way Jesus is? Is that the way the Lord is, you guys? with gentleness. And gentleness, by the way, Colossians 3 tells us, gentleness is something that we are all to walk in, in gentleness. Can I encourage us, don't ever heal, bring, help, help someone or, or heal people out of arrogance, arrogantly lecturing, preaching to people, or minister to people condescendingly. Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone ministered to you condescendingly? I have, it's like, okay, Mikey, let me tell you what you need to do, and one day you can be like me. Really? If you're coming off as better than others, you will not help. In fact, didn't Jesus talk about that? Judge not, lest you be judged. And he said, if you want to help someone, they've got a speck in their eye, what are you to do first? Remove the, the plank, the two-by-four, out of your own eye. 
Think about that. I mean, Jesus says it's good that you want to help someone to see clearly. Because that's restoration, isn't it? It's helping someone. They've lost spiritual sight. They've lost sight of where they need to be. They've taken their eyes off of Jesus, if you will. But that same material, that speck of sawdust is the same material as the two by four. And often when we see something in someone else, guess what we got in our own heart? We got that very stuff, but in a greater amount. And the Lord's like, lay that aside. Get rid of the timber. And now once you can do that, now you can go and help with that little speck because there's been brokenness. You realize, man, that's an issue that I have in my own heart. God, I'm sorry. Man, I didn't even see that. I was so blind to my own sin. I was so self-deceived. I'm trying to help everybody, and here I am whacking everybody upside the head with my big old two-by-four. Do you know you can do that preaching too? You guys that are teachers, preachers, or whatever, we can teach with a log in our eye. It's like, oh, Lord, search my heart. Because I can bash Peter with the best of them. But Peter's the only one that got out of the boat, gang. And I look at Peter, and I got the same stuff on my own heart. It's like I take my eyes off of Jesus so quick. Man. Have you guys ever had someone help you with your eyes when you had something wrong with your eyes? Aren't you glad they didn't come in with their big old mitts and start... Aren't you glad they were delicate? And I so appreciate someone that comes alongside me and they're gentle and kind to restore me. Tanya is that way. My, my bride, Tanya, is like so awesome with this. Such a great restorer. And notice what else it says here in this first verse we're still in. Considering yourself. Paul says, take a look at yourself lest you also be tempted to make sure you don't end up wiping out. Again, no one is immune to fall, into falling into sin. None of us. We're, and I would, I would say, just an observation, so gentleness and humility go hand in hand when we're restoring someone. This is so crucial because we can become conceited. You look at someone in their failure and think or say, I would never do that. That could never happen to me. How could that pastor fall? I got some attention. The Bible says, he who stands, take heed lest he fall. We all need to guard our hearts with all diligence, the Bible says, for, for from it springs the issues of life. We all need to guard our hearts. We all need to be aware spiritually. If I'm not paying attention, even helping someone... I can get snagged and fall into sin. Pride is super dangerous, our egos. And when you're conceited, it hurts others, you guys. It hurts others. You know, I think about, remember when Peter fell? You guys remember that? You guys remember when Peter fell? Did Jesus give him a heads up it was going to happen? He did, didn't he? And remember what Peter was saying? It was the night when they had the Last Supper, right? All gathered, laying on that, that cool bed table thing. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And the Lord told them what? You all are going to bail out on me tonight. When the shepherd gets struck, you're going to flee. And what did Peter say? Not, I'm Rocky, not me. 
these other bozos. I'm varsity stuff. They're JV. Correct? I mean, that loose paraphrase. And it's interesting what Jesus said in, in Luke, Luke's gospel. Said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. I had never seen this either until this week. That you is plural. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for, let me put it in in our Texan vocab, (laughs) y'all. Satan has asked for y'all, or all y'all, the plural. (laughs) That's spooky stuff, to sift you as wheat. But what did Jesus say? But I've prayed for you. Isn't it great to know right now Jesus is praying for you? He ever lives to make intercession for us. So awesome. He said, I prayed for you that, not that you wouldn't be sifted, because sifting is necessary in our lives to remove the chaff. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. And when you have returned to me, Isn't that beautiful? That's always where revival happens. That's always where we need to be. When you've come back to me, Jesus said, go and strengthen your brethren. Hey, you've blown it. You've failed. Did did Jesus give Peter a second chance? Has the Lord given you a second chance? No? He will someday. He said, no, you're going to need it. Because he said, when you return to me, go and do what? Strengthen your brethren. Use that. Use that failure, use that being tripped up to what? To go and restore others, to help others. Don't just, it's not a waste. God doesn't waste, guys, God doesn't waste anything in our lives, even the blunders. I've realized all the mistakes are mine. Anything good is from him. But he wants to use those mistakes, those failures, those things, those lapses, those things that we get tripped up and fall. He wants to use those, but you got to come back to Jesus. Someone comes alongside you and, and, and helps you in gentleness and corrects you. I have to be open to that and say, I get it, okay. Not harden my heart, but say, okay, God, forgive me. I didn't even see this area in my life. It's a blind spot. Does anybody have blind spots here? We do, don't we? And someone lovingly comes alongside of us and shows us that in gentleness, not arrogant or cocky, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit works and starts to work you over. And it's like, oh, God, forgive me. I, was, I, I see clearly now. He helped me remove that speck. And it wasn't with a piece of lumber. It was with gentleness and kindness and humility. Can I encourage us also this morning, beware of Christian cannibalism. What do you mean by that? We learned about it back in chapter 5, verse, 20, verse 15. Look what it says. But if you bite and devour one another... Beware lest you be consumed by who? One another. That's the church. And remember what their issue was. It's legalism. Legalism was a huge issue in these churches, and it is today as well. And legalism, you know what it produces? Sin-sniffing, critical fault finders, Pharisees. Keeping rules, maintaining standards that you make. Worshiping those standards. Making sure everybody else is following the standards or not keeping them. And legalists, and here's the thing I've learned about legalists and legalism, they are brutal in their treatment of those who have sinned or those who don't measure up to their standards. Are you with me? 
Are you guys with me still? Is this heat making you sleepy? Can you cut the heat back there, please? Everybody's getting ready for a little siesta. No, it's you, Pastor. You're just boring us this morning. That's okay. I'd rather have you sleep here than somewhere else. Somehow the word's getting in there. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Mike? John 8. You guys remember John chapter 8? Jesus is t- early morning. All the people came to hear his Bible study. Temple Mount. You guys remember that? And all of a sudden, Jesus gets interrupted in his Bible study. How do you guys do when you're interrupted? You guys do good when you get interrupted by someone? I don't. He gets interrupted by the Pharisees and the scribes, and they have a woman that was caught in adultery. Fire her right in the middle of the whole scene. Hey, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Moses in the law says, you got to stone her right now, but what do you say? They thought they had Jesus trapped, by the way. Can you trap Jesus? Can you trick Jesus? No way. And what did Jesus, remember what Jesus did? They thought they had him trapped, and what did Jesus do? He stooped down and started doodling in the ground. And so Jesus was ignoring them. How do you do when you're ignored? You get more mad, don't you? More loud? That's what it says. They turned up the volume, and Jesus keeps doodling, and then he stands up, and what does he say? You who are without sin, do what? Cast the first stone. And then he does what? Back to doodling. And at this time, when some preachers say he was writing down all the sins of these people, listen, that's nonsense. You guys know better because you study your Bibles, correct? It says when they heard what Jesus said, being convicted by their conscience, they all went out one by one from the oldest to the youngest. They didn't read the writing on the ground, because that's like a, you know, they read the writing in the sand, and then that's, no, 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 no. You need to study your Bible, bro. They heard what Jesus said, and they were cut in their hearts. They were convicted, and they began to bail. They all began to leave. And then it was was just Jesus and her, and that's where the Lord has to get every single one of us, is him and you alone. He does that when we first come to know him. It's the place we need to get to. It happened with Zacchaeus. Jesus got Zacchaeus alone. And this morning, he's got you. He's got you right now. Everything else has faded away, and he's trying to minister to your heart. And I love what Jesus said to her. Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Remember what she said? No one, Lord. A transaction happened in her heart. She's now surrendered to him. She recognizes who he is. I'm bowing my life to you. I'm giving you everything. And and Jesus' words next are like so awesome. Neither do I condemn you. Is that good news this morning? And then he says to her, don't forget this, because some churches cut this out. And he says, go and sin no more. Don't continue in that sin as a lifestyle any longer. You're a new creation. You're a new person. Stop walking in the flesh. Follow me, the Lord says. And so we finished one verse. Do we have time for one more? (laughs) We do. Bear one another's burdens. Look at verse 2. 
Again, it's, continual, it's the continual tense. Continually um, uphold one another's heavy loads, their troubles, their heaviness. Something that's really weighing them down. And what happens when we do that? We fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love. To love. To love one another. How? As Christ loved, right? As I have loved you, the Lord said. Love one another. When we are coming alongside our brothers and sisters, by the way, to shoulder a load, you kind of got to get close to somebody. Do you guys know that? We have to be close to our brothers and sisters. You can't do it like with, I mean, you can with a 10-foot pole, but there needs to be a connection. And it's continually bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Is that what Jesus does with us? Is that what Jesus does with us? He does. And so someone else's burdens in the body of Christ is your burden as well. Did the pastor just say that? Guess what? Someone else's burden in the body of Christ is your burden as well. Burdens are meant to be shared. Because who's this instruction for again? The church. Have you guys ever had someone bear a burden for you? Did it feel good? So-so? Anybody, you guys still around? Did it feel good? Having someone bear a burden with you, help you out? It's huge. This week it happened with us. It's like, man, and this church has done it so many times, you guys, in our lives, Tanya and my family, so many times. It's been like amazing, and it feels so good. And there are times we need to share our burdens, our prayer requests, and sometimes we need to shoulder one another's burdens and to pray for them and to care for them. And you know what we need to do is to look out with our spiritual eyes, with our physical eyes, for those who are weighed down, for those that are hurting. Giving someone a breather. Man, they just need a breather. Can you just come alongside them in some way? To, a small gesture. You know, I couldn't... I, this week I was in the uh, children's ministry room. I was looking for leaks in the building. And I saw a sign. And it said there's a limit to the amount of babies that can be taken care of in children's ministry. And I found out that we don't have enough people to help take care of the baby, to hold a baby, to care for a baby for 45 minutes or an hour during service. So they have to turn people away. Can you imagine that? You're a, mo- you're a single mom coming to church and all week long, what have you done? Changed dirty diapers, wiped dirty noses, blah, blah, round the clock. And you're hoping to get a little breather and guess what? You're turned away from children's ministry. I pray. Jesus said when there's more work than workers, pray. So I'm going to be praying. Can you pray too? I, that's what the Lord told us to do. But that's a way to shoulder a burden. Sometimes it's maybe financial. You bless someone with five bucks. Maybe they're in huge debt, but that five bucks like fired them up. Wow, Lord, now I can get lunch or whatever. Small gift goes a long way. It makes a huge difference. You see a, bro- a, a hurting person, a broken person, so, or someone wanting to get right with God after they've failed, and you come alongside them, that's an expression of love. And sometimes it's our turn to help. Other days it's our turn to be helped. 
And guess what? The only way we can fulfill the law of Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you try to shoulder every burden in your own strength, you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You get burned out. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit that we do this. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step out and do this, Lord, but I need your help to do it. Will he help you to do this? Will he help you to do this? Or is he going to say, no, just wear yourself out? He's going to help you, isn't he? Amen. Correct? Verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is, if anyone thinks himself to be something, is that humility or pride right there? That's pride. In other words, here's the, here's the loose Robertson translation. If you think you're hot stuff, think you're hot stuff, that's pride. Then the reality is the next part of the verse, when he is nothing, you're really nothing. Who is he talking about here? Who is he talking about here? Every one of us, all of us, all of us are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Oh, you're hurting my feelings, Mike. I hope not. Because the real place of hope, the real place of strength, the real place of healing is when you come to the end of yourself and recognize Jesus is everything. (laughs) I'm nothing. I got nothing. Apart from him, I can't do anything of any lasting value, of any eternal value. I'm in desperate need of Jesus Christ. I'm nothing. And, well, let me just rephrase that. We are valuable to God because he sent his son to purchase us. The problem is, we can have a perception of ourselves that doesn't line up with the Word of God. If I think I'm hot stuff, you know what I'm saying? Lord, it was great you came and saved me, but there's not a lot you need to fix in me. I don't need a lot of fixing. Everyone else around me needs fixing. How do I have the right perception? I look back to the cross. And I'm reminded of how much of a scumbag I am, how much I need Jesus, his forgiveness, a fresh work of his spirit, his resurrection provides that work within me and through me. And notice what, notice what Paul says, if, if, if you have an attitude of superiority or cockiness or arrogance, what does he say at the end of that verse? You're deceiving who? You're deceiving yourself. Pride blinds, doesn't it? Pride blinds us to our true condition. And this is dangerous. Pride keeps us from ministering to one another as the Lord would have us to minister. Pride keeps us from restoring others. Pride keeps us from bearing one another's burdens. Pride keeps us from love, you guys. Pride keeps us or refuses help from others too. And so if we're going to bear burdens, what do we do? We've got to lay aside our pride. Our pride needs to be left aside, gang. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a, before a fall. And pride manifests itself, listen, in two ways here, I think. Number one, in not helping people. In not helping people. And it can be, listen, we had people in our church that, have, that had walked with the Lord for decades. And it was like an opportunity was presented to minister And you know what they said? That's deacon work. In other words, that's beneath me. I can't pray with people after church. I got to get along, little doggy. 
Listen, that's what the Lord wants us to do. Here's an opportunity for you with all of your years of walking with Jesus, all that you know, and now taking that and using that in in reality, walking in those things. Because if I'm teaching something and I'm not willing to walk in it myself, you know what I am? Starts with A-H, rhymes with hypocrite. A hypocrite. I'm a Pharisee. So we got to walk in the things that we are teaching, we are ministering to others. The other thing is pride um, can be an issue while helping people. You start to think, you know what, I'm something special. Oh, the Lord, I just restored that life. I just healed that person when it's really the Lord through you. Are you with me? You get an inflated view of yourself. It's a danger in ministry. John the Baptist said, I'm not the guy. I'm just the cry. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's the Messiah. I'm not. I must decrease. He must increase. So what's the remedy for pride? What's the remedy for pride? Next two verses. Let's check it out. The answer is always in the text. Let's Let's see what it says. But let each one, again, the context, the, the, the verb tense is continually. Let each one continually examine who? Everybody else's walk with the Lord? Examine his own work. That word examine means to prove, to test, to test to see if your work is acceptable, real, or genuine your labor of love, your labor for the Lord, what you're doing for Jesus, is it legit? And so you come before the Lord and you talk it over with Him. One important thing is, am I being faithful with what the Lord has given me? Number two, am I ministering out of love? Because if it's not out of love, it's profits nothing. It's worthless. So I examine the work that I'm doing. I keep an eye on myself. I don't give or serve in a way that draws attention to me, but always points to Jesus. We, we check our work out. Is love at the core of what I'm doing? Paul is also speaking of here, I believe, about those who are always looking at other people's lives and giving evaluations or examinations. In other words, people that are good at finding fault in everyone else and turning a blind eye to their own sin or their internal issues that they have. Hey, listen, it's like Paul's saying, stop spending so much time fault-finding in other people and deal with your own junk. We have our own junk, don't we? The The easiest way to turn a blind eye to your own junk is to do what? To look at everyone else's junk and miss out on the junk that the Lord wants us, wants to remove by His Spirit in our lives. And yes, we are to hold one another accountable, yet we pull the plank out of our own eye to help others. Be a restorer, not a destroyer. For each person, look at the last verse as we finish. We got time, we sure do. Each person must carry continually his own load. Wait a minute, is that a discrepancy? I thought we were to bear everyone else's load. What about, what is this? Now it's my load? Different words here. The word in verse two is a huge shipment, is the idea. This word here is like the... Uh, like the inventory list or the invoice, the packing list for what's in the load. 
In other words, it's also used for soldiers that have their own little pack that they're responsible for. God has given each one of us stuff that we are responsible for, correct? He's entrusted to us. Right? You know, even, he even allows heavy burdens into our lives. Did you guys know that? You know, I've heard someone say this before to me, and I lovingly had to kind of share with them. Maybe you guys have heard this saying, God will never give you more than what you can handle. I know what you're saying because it's from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He won't give us more than, he won't, tempt, he won't allow us to be tempted more than we are able. Think about what's being said there. God will never give you more than what you can handle. If I can handle it, then I don't need God. God gives me things all the time I can't handle or allows them. Why? So that I can look to him and I get to experience your love and care in my life helping me shoulder the, the burden. And you know what? I get to see the work of Jesus through you in my life. And you get to see the work of Jesus through my life in your life. And who gets all the credit? He does. He gives, us, he gives me way more than I can bear. Because I can't handle it. I, I learn I need him. I need his wisdom. I need his strength. I need his sufficiency. And is his grace sufficient? Is his strength made perfect in our weakness? Hallelujah. And so I'll boast in those things. I'll boast in infirmities. I'll boast in persecutions. I'll boast in those, those gnarly things that come my way. Why? Because when I am weak, he's strong. So we shoulder our own pack. And I think as we look at this, let's take one another's burdens, but don't take it all upon yourself. Everyone needs to recognize that they have their own packing list, their own invoice, their own backpack they need to carry. I'm responsible for what I'm carrying. But careful, you are not bearing everyone's burdens, and now you're weighed down to the point where you're no good to anyone else. Messiah complex. I can shoulder everybody's burdens. Burdens are meant to be shared. We all need to pull our share. God has called us to help one another, to bring healing to one another. But there's certain things that we can't do for one another too, guys. We can share, but it has to be a work of the Spirit. I'm not the Savior. I'm not the solution. There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus. He's the solution. I'll, I will do what I can. I will offer what I can. But ultimately, every one of us, we need to look to the Lord for help. Are you with me on that, gang? We all struggle. We need a work of his spirit. Listen, I got stuff I need to care for and try to figure out in my own life. We all do. And I do what I can, pointing others to Jesus, encouraging them to walk in the spirit that they might have victory over the flesh. And victory in the areas, the battery just went out. And I can't walk around anymore. You know what that means? The Lord's saying, shut up. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much. You're so good. It was probably like, now you need to be quiet. Lord, thank you. You're so good. Thank you for not giving up on us, being so faithful. So good. So kind. 
so gentle you are. It's so amazing what to consider this morning, your gentleness. Your goodness that leads us to repentance. 